continuing this, and let me just remind you that the first five weeks, we're looking at the resources, the tools that we need in order to look at doing the decision that God has put before us right and to making the right choice and the right decisions that come our way. We've been looking at several resources. We've looked at the first three. We looked, first of all, does anyone remember what that one was? A, a sober mind. Amen. Well done. And so a sober mind is what? A serious mind. It's making sure that we are looking at uh, the situation. We're looking at circumspectly. We're taking it all in. Uh, it's not, we're not making a trivial thing that we're just dismissive of. But rather, we're taking this decision and we're making it a very serious, weighty matter that we are truly praying for carefully and with a sober mind looking at this direction, looking at this decision that God has, put, put, uh, that is, God has put before us. Secondly, we said there it is, we need a pure what? Heart. Remember the Bible says, blessed are they, that, uh, blessed are they with, that have a pure heart, they shall see God. It gives us clarity. It helps us to clear off the windscreen, as it were, and to be able to see things like God sees things. We need a pure heart. And a pure heart comes from two things. Does anyone remember what one of those two things might be? That'll be the next thing, yes. But to have a pure heart, there's two things God teaches us in His Word that helps purify our hearts. Anyone remember what? Confess and forsake sin. Confess known sin. And then secondly, is to have the Word of God, is to filter and to clean our heart with the Word of God. And as John said a moment ago, uh, the next step or the next resource is a courageous spirit. A courageous spirit is something that doesn't move upon fear or may we say hesitate or is paralyzed with fear but is rather seeing God move us as, or direct us as a moving vessel. We are moving through life and we are trusting God with a courageous spirit on what step we should take next. Should we take this way or should we go this way? Which direction should we go? And there could be multiple decisions. There could be five or six options or more um, that we're looking at and we're thinking through and God, we're wanting God to direct our step, and we need to have a courageous spirit. Reminder, we said courage is not the absence of fear, but willing to act in spite of the fear. All of us have fear. All of us deal with fear. So courage isn't saying, I'm going forward because I have no fear. Courage is willing to take the step forward in spite of the fear. It's unknown. We don't know what's going to take place, and there's a natural fear that comes with that. But courage and a courageous spirit is willing to take that step, even though it is unknown. Next, we're going to be looking at this next resource, is wisdom. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Look at James chapter 1 with me, if you would, please. Verse number 2. James, of course, the brother of Christ, the half-brother of Christ, is teaching Christians. Is teaching 
those living in that first century Christianity in a very hostile, hostile environment. And by the way, you know, we take some of the uh, hostility that we are facing here as a trial or a tribulation. And in a way it is, but there's nothing to compare to what the Jews in the first century dealt with. Thank God we're not in Jerusalem. Thank God we're not in that first century Christianity where things would go very badly for many Christians. James wisely taught Christians what? My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Stop there for just a moment. James led the church in Jerusalem in a hostile environment very, very wisely. He, as a Jew, was teaching Christians how to live the Christian life as a Jew while yet doing so in a very wise manner to take what they had learned from their uh, Pharisaical and, Sadu- uh, 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 and from the Sadducees and scribes, and to see that not all of it was an error. There was parts of it that were truth. There were parts of it that were correct. It was taken out of miscontext in many ways. It was misapplied in many ways. But to take what was true and to say we can implement this and we can learn to live peaceably in a midst of a hostile environment that does not want us to follow Jesus Christ as the Messiah and learn how to do so. Thank God for families that learn how to navigate wisely in an environment like this. And that was James. James led the church in this time. Notice how he continues. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. James is teaching Christians here about patience and trials. Trials working patience in us. And handling those with wisdom. Amongst the trial, amongst the tribulation, amongst the temptation, handling those with wisdom. And he very clearly states in verse number 5 that if you can't see God working through the trials and through those moments of needed patience, then we have missed the point that God is wanting us to have wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, as we work through those trials patiently, we, have, we come to an understanding as we grow in Christ that we need wisdom, that we need God's mind on this. And if we can't see this, then we lack wisdom. We need God's help. We need God's strength. We need God's thoughts. Take your Bibles, go to Isaiah chapter 55. Hold your place there in James. We're going to end back in James 
in just a little bit, but go to Isaiah chapter 55, if you would. Notice what the Bible teaches us in verse number 8. A very familiar portion of Scripture. We quote it somewhat regularly, but a very important portion of Scripture. But again, we're thinking about wisdom. We're thinking about God's perspective, and we'll teach more about that here in just a moment. Isaiah chapter 55, look at verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In every decision God brings to us, God has a perspective. God has a viewpoint, a vantage point. He knows what's going to be at the end of that decision if I continue that direction. He knows what is going to take place if I take a wrong direction. He sees the vantage point. He sees the beginning from the end. And so what I most need, what we most need in life when it comes to a decision is what? Is God's perspective. God's wisdom. Wisdom is perspective from God's point of view, if we could state it very simply and practically. Expect this viewpoint, expect this, this perspective to be at conflict with ours. What did Isaiah said? He said, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. What does that mean? That means there's a conflict. That means what I see is different than what God sees. That brings a conflict between my viewpoint and God's viewpoint. God has a view of circumstances. And sometimes it is easy for us to default automatically on the way in which we see it but god warns us about that does he not tell us in proverbs lean not unto thine own understanding we'll come back to that later in this series on doing decisions right so god has a vantage point and he wants me to have his vantage point god says my vantage point is higher than yours And if we are not careful, we can come into a point in which we think our vantage point is the only right way of seeing things. And doing decisions right requires us to step back at times and to seek God's wisdom, to seek God's viewpoint, His perspective. Because when it comes to perspective, I really can't trust my own. I can't trust my own perspective fully. Because I can't see everything. I don't know everything. I have a very narrow view on the decision that God brings my way. We all know those who have much education, many degrees. There are some that have doctorates, PhDs, master degrees. 
maybe a master maybe a master in your field or your career master in a certain area of society or in teaching or a higher degree of learning but no matter how many degrees or how many things you can put behind your name that is such a limited thing compared to the scope of what god understands no matter how much learning and knowledge and all that we think we can explore and how much we have think we have educated ourselves in when it is compared to God, it is very small. We love going to the Lake District. Over the years, we've all, as a church, we've gone up to the Lake District and enjoyed it. Beautiful, beautiful area. Oh, how wonderful it is just to walk through and see the mountains and to see the lakes. and Oh, it's just, it's just a wonderful time. And just seeing some of the openness and being able to just enjoy some time. And uh, hopefully, Lord willing, uh, the church will be able to go back up to the district, Lake District, here soon. But could you imagine going to the Lake District and saying, here is the only viewpoint and you take a needle and you hold it up to your eye and you look through the eye of that needle and you say i see all of the lake district right through that little eye of the needle we would look and say that's foolish would you open up your eyes and see all that the beauty therein see the majesty of the mountains, see the beautiful lakes, see the occasional sun that is above the sky and uh, 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 enjoys bathing in sunlight at times, that beautiful area. It's a wonderful majesty to behold. I enjoy as we've taken those buses, those coach buses up and seeing people as they get off of that and Almost every single one gets up, uh, looks, t- gets off the step, and you just see us all look up and just look around like, wow, we're here. Look at the beauty around us. It's natural. We want to see all that is before us. But if I try to look at a decision with only my perspective, it's like looking at the Lake District just through the eye of a needle. I can't see it all. I will miss so much and such is the case if i do it my way instead of having god's thoughts god's ways in mind you see god sees has a vantage point that's much broader it is infinite in understanding it is infinite in knowledge he knows everything and the way i view it in my own personal time, in my own personal way, might be skewed or wrong. Say, what do you mean? Let me go back to the eye of the needle. If you were to look at the Lake District with the eye of a needle at maybe one dead tree, and all you can see through the eye of the needle is that one dead tree, you would get back on the bus and say, the Lake District isn't anything we're talking about. All there is is one dead tree there because that's all you've seen. But wait a minute. That's a skewed vision. 
That's a skewed perspective. It is misdirected. Why? Because you've not seen it all. Yes, there's dead trees there. But there's a lot alive there. There's a lot living. There's a lot of beauty to behold there. And if we're not careful, if we allow our way to be the only perspective, we can't fully trust that because it might be skewed. It might be misdirected. We might be looking at it in a wrong way. And so wisdom is beginning with understanding I have a neutral position on this. It's taking the car out of drive and putting it in neutral. And saying, God, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what gear I should go into. I don't know what direction I should attend here. But I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to make or allow my heart and mind and my perspective to be neutral about this. I want you to imprint your perspective upon my heart, upon my mind. I'm not going to presume that I know it all, because I don't. I don't know everything. But I do know one who does. Look at Colossians chapter 1, if you would, please. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse number 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul is introducing his letter to the church in Colossae. We call it Colossians, the letter to the people of Colossae, Colossians. And he's, as he introduces them, he gives them his heart. And mark it down, you can look at every epistle, every letter that Paul wrote, and you will find this same similar theme through every single one. Where he introduces this letter saying, I want you to know what God has for you. You see, Paul knew what was coming. He had a perspective upon it which God had that he knew that there was going to be trials. He knew that there was going to be tribulations. He knew that there was persecution coming to the church and to the churches. He understood that things would go badly for first century Christians, and they did. So much death, so much martyrdom for the cause of Christ. And he knew things were coming that way. And he tried to help the churches understand that they needed God's perspective on this. And that God will give his perspective on this. The knowledge of him and the knowledge of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul prayed for churches to enlighten their eyes or for God to enlighten their eyes and to show them what He is doing, how He is working in their life. And He wanted them to have that knowledge of God with wisdom and spiritual understanding. One of the things in which is on the top of my prayer list is wisdom. Often we'll have friends 
co-laborers of ministry ask us what would you like for us to pray with you about? And every time I mention wisdom, I need wisdom. I need God's perspective. I need God's mind, God's viewpoint. I can't trust my own. I can trust the Word of God. I can trust God's. Because He has a broader view. Years ago, my uh, David and I went back for just a couple of weeks to the States, and we met up with my parents in the Smoky Mountains. Now, the Smoky Mountains is very is a uh, one of the it's it's a big mountain chain chain in the United States. It separates really the north from the south. Uh, as far as what the uh, Civil War and things is very much of the north-south line, uh, give or take a little bit, but approximately that way. This mountain range is not as big as the Rocky Mountains. The mountains aren't as high as the Rocky Mountain range, which is, of course, infamous. But the Smoky Mountains has gotten its name because of the humidity that settles among those mountains. And it looks like a blue haze or a smoke that goes across this mountain range as that humidity settles in between the mountains. And as you look through it, it looks like smoke, hence the name Smoky Mountains. We went to one of the high peaks in one of the uh, parks there. And on one of these peaks, you could drive up most of the way, about two-thirds or so of the way up this mountain. And you could do one of two things. You could park there in the car park and just sit there and view the view from that vantage point. You could see quite a ways away. You could see the valley below. You could see some mountain range around you. But there was another path. And this path was a gentle path at first. But it was a paved path. It was fairly popular. And it was a paved path that would wound all the way up to the top of the mountain. At first, that gradual incline didn't look like it was much. But you go about a quarter of a mile on an incline that goes from this to seemingly like this at times, and suddenly your legs begin to scream, hey, let's not go any further. (laughs) I'm done, let's stop right here. And as people would come down the mountain from the top, they would encourage those who were going up saying, keep going. You won't regret it. Some chose not to listen to that voice, to that sound reasoning, and said, you know what? I've seen as far as I can go. I'm going back to the car park. Going down is much better than going up. And I remember David and My dad and I went and we walked and we walked and we walked and it seemed like that would never end. It seemed like we'd never get to the top, but we did. And we got to the top because it was in such a humid climate, there was a lot of trees still. So you could see through the trees, you could see the mountain range and just glimpses of it just a little bit, but you couldn't see it fully until you turned around and saw that they had built a tower that reached above the tree height so you could see. 
So you had an opportunity. You could stay there and look through the trees and try to get your perspective of the scope that was around you through the trees, or you could climb again this tower and see unrestricted the view before you. We climbed to the top of that tower, and the view from there was incredible. You could see for mile after mile after mile. You could see the blue haze, even on that sunny day, yet settling among the hills as that humidity was stagnating around you. You could see the beautiful scenery of all the landscape around you. It's just breathtaking. It's just incredible to look and to see the scope and the magnitude in which God so wonderfully decorated that landscape with. Just beautiful area. Amazing. But then you look down and you see those who are still at the car park. Still those who are down further into the valley. Oh, they can see the stones and the view and the streams and the rivers that run around, run around those mountains. But they did not know what they were missing. They could see a vantage point. Or they couldn't see the vantage point that I could see. They didn't see what we were able to witness. And when I try to view circumstances and decisions my way, and only my way, it's like trying to view a beautiful mountain range still in the valley. Well, you see some things. You see the scenery set before you, but you don't see it all. But when we go to God, and when we get His wisdom, His perspective, it gives us a viewpoint, a vantage point, in which God desires to give us. Think about this. God invites us to have His wisdom, His perspective, His viewpoint. What an incredible thing it is. That he invites us to have a greater view that is, so, that is so much different than what this world can see. So much different. This world tries to look through what God has looking just at the floor level. But God has a much higher perspective. God wants us to look at things his way godly wisdom before a decision often looks foolish but after the decision it looks absolutely fabulous before a decision viewed in godly wisdom often it looks much different than what it does post-decision. This world looks at things and tries to determine decisions based upon their own morals, their own way of thinking. And then you compare that to God and godly wisdom. 
And they too are vastly different. We'll see that in just a moment. Pre-decision, godly wisdom might look foolish. But afterwards, when you look at all that God has done, you look at it and you say, I would want no other way. That was the right way. Seeing God's word unfold after we make the decision and seeing, seeing how God has shown us His way and how His way is higher than what we could envision it to be truly settles a wonderful assurance and peace in our hearts. God's way is greater than our way. Let me give you three things. Most of it's introduction. I think we can get through the next part of it here in about five minutes or less. Uh, So let's do so quickly here tonight. First of all, I want you to see applied wisdom. Applied wisdom. We just mentioned Isaiah 55, verses number 8 and 9. We'll flash it on the screen here. I'm not going to read it for sake of time here tonight. But if you will, just kind of slowly go through it, David, as I speak. But God, again, tells us that His way is higher. He has a greater vision. He has a greater viewpoint. He has a greater vantage point to this. Look at Romans chapter 11, verse number 33. The Bible says, Oh, the depth of riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. God's understanding, God's wisdom is beyond what we can compare. And when one applies that, it is incredible at what one can see. If we were to put a mathematical equation to wisdom, it would be knowledge plus understanding plus applied. When you apply knowledge and understanding in accordance to the Word of God, it allows you to see everything you cannot see in the valley. It allows you to see in which those things in which you would not be able to see otherwise. It enables us to be able to see things with the way God sees them. And this is a tremendously powerful thing. You see, God sees the dangers and blessings and offers us His view to the perspective that He has to avoid those dangers and to reap the blessings that He has. He's an incredible God. He's a good Father. He sees a perspective in which we, you and I cannot see. And what an incredible thing it is that we can have wisdom applied to us personally. Secondly, quickly, let's value wisdom tonight. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse number 9. We read it a moment ago, but let's read it once again. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 16. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than brute force. Wisdom is better than the strength of heart, strength of spirit, or even the strength of physical abilities. Wisdom is better than those things, a Solomon said. Solomon in chapter 7, verse number 19 says, Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten mighty men 
which are in the city. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 5 says, Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. God puts a high price tag upon wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. It is so valuable and so wonderful. God's perspective on things is incredibly awesome. Fools die because they do not have wisdom. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. God warns us against refuting His wisdom and gives us the value of wanting that wisdom. I don't know about you, but the more I hear of God speak of His wisdom, the more I want it. His wisdom is invaluable to us. Wisdom is better than any worldly possession. Ecclesiastes 9.18 says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? It is without value. It is priceless. It is to be desired. Following godly wisdom brings true success. Proverbs chapter 24, verse number 3, the Bible says, Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. Proverbs chapter 19, verse number 8 says, He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find, goal, uh, shall find good. Excuse me. Wisdom is so valuable that he gave us a whole book to be focused firmly upon wisdom, the book we call Proverbs. The book God says is a gem, is a trophy. It's the diamond in the Word of God, if we could put it that way, of wisdom. It is a principle. It is the wisdom book of the Bible. And oh, how we need wisdom. May I encourage you, practically speaking, that if you are facing a decision or looking at a decision or preparing for a decision to read the book of Proverbs. Personally, I would recommend you to read through the entire book, 31 chapters, every single week if you're facing a decision. You need wisdom. You need God's mind. Read and bathe your heart in the Proverbs. Read and bathe your mind in the wisdom of God through His book. We need His mind. Read through the book of Proverbs over and over and over again. How important it is that we have God's wisdom. It's without value. It is incredibly priceless. Thirdly and lastly, obtaining wisdom. How can we obtain wisdom? 
James taught us in our text that it's a process of patient growth. You see, none of us have arrived. None of us have reached a pinnacle in which, none of, uh, in which we can say, I don't need wisdom anymore. We all need wisdom. It doesn't matter who you are tonight. We always need wisdom to grow. You see, we've never been down this road before. You've never been where you will be tomorrow before. You haven't been tomorrow. We need God's wisdom. I've never reared two teenage sons before. Jonathan will be a teenager here in just a couple of months. I've never reared a 16-year-old before. I've never helped, guided, and directed as a father the age into going into university or Bible seminary or whatever God would have for them. I've never done that before. What does that mean? That means I need wisdom. It means I need God's perspective on this. I need God's mind. I need his vantage point. I need what he sees. Not all, every step in which we take is a step in which we've never been before. We need God's help. We need God's wisdom. I've never led a church through lockdown before. And not coming out of lockdown, I've never, I've never done that before. I need God's wisdom. I need God's mind. I need God's viewpoint. We need wisdom. But watch this, there's also a side to this that the wisdom that God has given us, we can offer to those who are coming behind us. Think about that for just a moment. If you're in your 70s, you can help those in the 60s. If you're in your 60s, you can help those who are in their 50s. Those who are in their 50s can help those who are in their 40s. So on and so forth. You get the point tonight. You've been further down the road and you can help and guide and give some advice and give some wise counsel. And we'll speak of counsel at another point as we continue through this process. But we can truly help give some wisdom in which God has given us and we can offer that to someone else who's following us. What an incredible thing it is that we can not only see wisdom as it is given to us, but we can also give that wisdom to others. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We receive wisdom, we teach that wisdom, and that wisdom comes only from God. James chapter 3, excuse me. In verse number, uh, verse number uh, 13, in verses number 13 through 17, we see James contrasting worldly wisdom to godly wisdom. Let's read it quickly here tonight. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show you out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. 
but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. James really puts a contrast between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. He compares the two and contrasts them and how different they are. Worldly wisdom that does not come from God leads to brokenness, to hurt and destruction, but godly wisdom leads to good fruits. It leads to that which is good and healthy and life-giving. It gives health to our soul. It gives health to our life. It increases our value. It doesn't take it away. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20 through 25, Paul teaches the church in Corinth about wisdom. He teaches the church that at first, in the world's viewpoint, as we stated a moment ago, it does look foolish in the beginning. But at the end, you look back and you say, wow, I'm so glad I got that right. I'm so glad God led me right through this. I'm so glad that I'm going through and looking back and seeing how God has truly has blessed and how God has led rightly down this road. It is, in, it is counterintuitive. In other words, it's going to go against your natural view. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, the Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. God's wisdom is naturally going to go against our fleshly viewpoint. It's naturally going to do so. It's naturally going to be opposite. It's naturally going to be counterintuitive to our natural viewpoint that we hold. But it is more valuable than higher education. All of us know some incredibly educated people and yet are very foolish people. They've got the degrees, but they are very foolish through life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 7, the Bible says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says, Now as touching things offered on idols, we know that we have all knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity, God's love, as we've been speaking about on Sunday morning, does what? Edify. It brings life. It brings strength. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also... In Christ Jesus. So how can we with, uh, attain wisdom? God teaches us we can gain wisdom by doing exactly what James spoke of in James chapter 1, verse number 5. Go back to our text here and we'll close with this. The Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Wisdom is given by asking for it. Wisdom is given by simply coming to God and asking him. But notice how it's asked. Look at verse number 6 with me. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. God tells us to ask for wisdom, invites us to ask for wisdom, desires us to ask for wisdom. And we have an opportunity to ask for God's wisdom through faith. What does that mean? That means as you go through a decision, your sensory how you feel is not going to feel like you have wisdom. But wisdom isn't something you feel. Wisdom isn't something that is a feel-good experience. It's not that. It's not something in which you can sensory feel and as it were. But it is rather taking those steps, focusing and trusting that God is giving wisdom through faith, as you seek counsel, as you seek his word and other sources. And we'll speak about these things coming up in future, uh, in future studies. And as we take those steps forward in faith, asking for wisdom by faith, we look back and we see how God has given us wisdom in the steps. We'll never feel like we have wisdom. But you will when you look back and you see God has directed those steps. If you've done so with a humble viewpoint, seeking God's perspective, looking to see how God directs. There's a question I heard, heard this week. It's so telling. It's a very convicting question. The question is this, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? That's a hard question. And if we were to and if we ask this prayerfully, the Holy Spirit will lead our hearts and direct our minds to what the wise thing is. And many times it's the harder choice. It's hard to say no to that friend who's trying to lead us a wrong direction. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to take a step of faith knowing that there's going to be more of a demand upon your time, knowing that there's going to be more de- demand upon your skill set, even taking you out of an area in which may you may even feel uncomfortable with but you know that you are taking that step by faith and often it is the harder choice often it's the harder thing god chooses or god wants us to choose wisdom he desires it he so wonderfully gives it liberally he wants us to have it but we must first choose to ask by faith Let me encourage you tonight to seek wisdom. So what's the resources we need so far? A sober mind. A pure heart. A courageous spirit. And we need wisdom. Next week we're going to look at faith. And then we'll continue through the processes. How do we make these decisions 
with the tools God gives us. But let's this week decide that we're going to desire to see God uh, things in through his perspective.